Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 30th. When heartbreaking stories like the 215 children recovered in BC, the recent announcement of 751 unmarked graves in Saskatchewan, and the growing numbers from former residential school sites emerge, we often don't know how we can help. On Wednesday, radio stations across Canada, including here at 770 CHQR, joined together to amplify Indigenous voices in Canada. It is a day to listen. You can learn more at downywenjack.ca. So as we said, this is a day to listen. This is an initiative that is part of a country ride day for radio to pause and connect in a deeper fashion to some of the stories and more importantly to the challenges faced by Canada's Indigenous population. There are more than 530 radio stations across the country doing what we're doing today, taking time to listen, to pay attention to the stories. We think we know, we really know very little and it's time that we pay attention to the stories that are coming from our Indigenous friends and particularly from right here in Alberta. So, Andy, we're going to continue with great stories throughout the day, some heart-wrenching, some heartbreaking, some information, important information that people need to know as well. Today is a day to listen, a day to hold space for the voices of Indigenous people in Canada. Like Teresa Hall, a residential school survivor, Teresa has made it her mission to share her experience so that history never repeats itself. My name is Teresa Hall, uh, formerly Teresa Okamauna no Farmato Upscat First Nation, and um, now live in uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario. I'm a former survivor of the St. Anne Residential School at Fort Albany uh, along the coast of James Bay. I attended the school uh, for six years. I also attended uh, another residential school at uh, Fort George, Quebec for three years. I was the first female chief in my community to be so elected by, by my people when I returned home. But majority of my life I've lived off or serve. When I heard the um, discoveries of the unmarked graves of the 215 um, students of Kamloops uh, Residential School, it triggered my mind of the experience of the residential school being away from home. I know that I have heard at Fort Albany, where I St. Anne's Residential School, where I attended, that there were people that said students that never returned were suspicious of their death. And they even found some bones near the barn where the residential school is situated. But the person who found the human bones gave them to the, uh, the local priest. The individual who found the bones was hoping that they would be reported to the police, but it was never done. We never heard about it again afterwards. So when I heard about the undocumented graves, and I thought, wow, maybe that's what happened. Definitely, they need to do the very same thing, identify the areas. Maybe you can find unmarked graves as well in, in at the St. Anne's Residential School. I know the colonizers, the settler government, stole our land using the doctrine of dis- discovery to justify their means to steal our lands. And as a result, they enriched their lives with the resources they mined from our our land. While our people are in poverty, live in third world conditions here in Canada, even in Atwapiskat, where my home is, 
We don't have any water. They can't drink from the tap because it's contaminated. It's not healthy. Our children get sick. Our babies get sick as a result. They get rashes as a result of bathing in that water. If the discoveries that was done of the 215 undocumented graves, if it had been any other nation other than indigenous, police would be right there investigating. And eventually that investigation, would be, charges would be late. I don't see any of that happening here. You know, it's one thing for the government to apologize for the atrocities that were done to us at the residential school. And then they promote reconciliation. I don't believe in the reconciliation anymore after the discoveries were done because there's no concrete evidence that they're, they want to do, they want to uh, share the resources of our land, that some of that land be returned to our First Nations. Until then, our people will remain in poverty. And it's tragic. It's tragic that what's happening, what has happened to us. And yes, we are resilient. Like I said, I was appointed to the Justice Peace Bench and I served in that fashion, in that role with honor. I wanted to be a role model for my children so that my children could also aspire to a higher goal, higher education. I believe I've done that. And for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren as well. That when I hope someone documents our history, the histories of pe people who have aspired regardless of what was done to us. And when people tell us to get on with our lives. We can't. We can't do that because uh, uh, there will be more. I'm sure there will be more discoveries of unmarked graves once every every residential school territory or uh, uh, the land that surrounded the residential school is uh, investigated. Just like what they did at Camelot's residential school using the latest technology. Fort William First Nation set up a, a teepee where we can go and pray for the souls of those 215 individuals, students. My family and I went, my daughter, my granddaughter, and prayed using our, our tobacco, praying to the creator that the souls of those uh, 215 students move on in peace now that their graves have been found. I hope there will be closure for those uh, families. Today is a day to listen. To learn more about how you can do something, visit downywenjack.ca. Today is a day to listen. Radio stations all across Canada are elevating the voices of Indigenous people in Canada. Like Bob Watts, Bob has spent the last 30 years dedicated to Indigenous issues. He played an integral role in establishing Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which issued 94 calls to action to address the ongoing impact of residential schools. So my name is Tall Pine. I'm from the Bear Clan. I'm Mohawk and Ojibwe. And I'm a resident and member here at Six Nations uh, of the Grand River near Brantford, Ontario. A number of years ago, a number of survivors of residential schools made legal claims against the government of Canada and churches in Canada. And all this culminated in a massive class action settlement. And uh, that settlement uh, included 
compensation for survivors. It included an independent adjudication secretariat, significantly a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, a commemoration fund, and it continued funding for the Aboriginal Healing Foundation. After the settlement agreement, I was asked to take the lead in setting up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You know, the TRC did amazing, amazing work. 94 calls to action. And it started off really good support. There's still good support for reconciliation. But for some of the truths that the TRC found and heard from survivors, I don't think it really resonated with Canada. And I don't think it has really resonated until this, all these unmarked burials were found in Kamloops. And the reality of residential schools has now struck home. And I talk to people and they say, oh my goodness, like if we'd have heard about this in any other country, that the bodies of 215 children were discovered at a, at a former school, we would be, as a country, we would be in shock. It's not the first and it's not the last either. While we're setting up the TRC, a member of parliament and uh, from Saskatchewan, Gary Morosity was asking questions in the House of Commons about unmarked burials and missing children. And we had heard about that when we went and met with survivors. And some of those meetings were uh, just like a sea of tears as people were disclosing, sometimes for the first time in their lives, sometimes they're in their 80s or their 90s. They never told their, their partner, their children. So we prepared a report on unmarked burials and missing children. And that became an important policy piece and foundational piece for the work of, of the TRC. And I think about this as an awakening for us as a country. I think about those those children, I think about their spirits, and the spirits of other children that never came home. So it's it's my belief, and I've heard this too when I've talked to, to other people, both Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people, that these 215 children, they're spiritual leaders, they're spiritual warriors, and they're leading us and guiding us on a journey of discovery about ourselves as individuals and about ourselves as a nation to help us discover the truth, but also about the truth of reconciliation, the truth of nation building, the truth of the promises that we've made to each other through treaty and the promises that we're making to our children, those coming faces about the kind of world that we're going to leave for them. This is what we're being guided to do. And I think these spirits are telling us that there's a spiritual side to reconciliation and to nation building that we're missing. And that's true for Indigenous contribution, but it's true for all of us. That's what the spirits of these children are telling us to do, is to do something. Whether you call it reconciliation, whether you can call it reconciliation, whether you consider it as nation building, atonement, however you characterize it, there's a need for all of us to get past nice words and to manifest the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. Chumigwech, Nyawagoa. Thank you. These stories may contain details that some listeners may find distressing. If you are Indigenous and in need of support, the Hope for Wellness Crisis Line is available 24 hours a day at 1-855-242-3310 or visit online at hopeforwellness.ca. Today is a day to listen, a day to hold space for the voices of Indigenous people in Canada. 
like Elder Claudette Commanda, an Algonquin from Kirigan Zibi Anishinaabe First Nation. Elder Commanda has dedicated her career to promoting First Nations rights, history, and culture. She's a professor at the University of Ottawa and the executive director of the First Nations Confederacy of Cultural Education Centers. My name is Claudette Commanda, and I am an Algonquin woman from Kitagon Zibi and Anishinaabeg, Algonquin First Nation. My uh, community is situated about 100 miles north of Ottawa, but on the Quebec side. I'm not a residential school survivor. And I do not speak on behalf of the residential school survivors. They have their stories. They have their lived experiences. And they can speak about that. But I do support them. I do love them. I do walk with them. It is said that one falls, we all fall. When one cries, we all cry. When one grieves, we all grieve. When one succeeds, we all succeed. And that was the foundation that I was raised on. And that when one of our people suffer, we all suffer. And now at this time, families, communities, nations, from coast to coast to coast, we are all grieving together for the families of those children. And in our prayers, we ask Creator to honor, to honor those children as he so does with his love and kindness. And we honor and we remember the children. And all those children who never made it home, I say to Creator, you know those children by their original names. You know all those children who never made it home. You know them by their original names. And thus, Creator, take our prayers and tell each and every one of those children that we love them, that we remember them, and that we honor them. The children's voices are so powerful and strong. And we must listen to them. And Canada, Canadians, their social consciousness has to be awoken. It has to. And if the the discovery of these 215 human remains of children doesn't impact one's heart and and, and mind, I, I don't know what it's going to take. But I do see that many Canadians are questioning. They're arising now to say, what's going on here? What has been going on? You know, we have to talk about this. It's emotional. And indeed, it has to be emotional. It has to, because it has to go to the core of Canadian society, because this is their history. I don't care if Canadian people have come here 500 years ago, or if they've come here five days ago. This is now becomes each and every person who's come here to live in Canada as their country. This is your history. But this is the history that my people have had to live with. And we continue to have to live with it because it's trauma. And you know what trauma is? It's like grief. It never goes away. You learn how to live with it every day. Now, I'm not a survivor. But can you only imagine how the survivors are feeling? We need to provide that that safe space for, for survivor stories to be told. And we need to use this as an education. And I've been told I, I'm an angry, hostile Indian. Well, you know, if the death of 215 children and many more and the abuse in these residential schools, these horrific abuses that children endured, if that doesn't make you angry, then there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with people that don't have a heart and soul when it comes to hurting and killing children. And it doesn't matter the method, but you have killed the children. 
the fact that you did not allow them to speak their language, you did not allow them to, for siblings to even be with one another in these schools, the fact that you did not allow the children to exercise their culture, the very fact that you took, you took children away from their parents and their communities and their families, that's wrong. And that needs to make you angry. That needs to create this emotion of anger to say, what is going on? Canadians have to feel that and they have to say, what's going on here? Why did you keep this from us? What are you going to do about it? And as I said to a concerned citizen groups, that's not for me or my people to clean up now. It's not. That's now for you and your people to clean up. Enough is enough. It's called truth and reconciliation. There cannot be no reconciliation without the truth. So today, my friends, today for all the listeners, I am speaking my truth. And my truth is one of many that will lead the way to change. Like Dr. Alika Lafontaine. Dr. Alika is president-elect of the Canadian Medical Association and co-creator of 215 Pledge, he shares how we can use the stages of grief to cope with the devastating announcements of unmarked graves. My name's Alika Lafontaine. I'm an Indigenous physician of Métis, Cree, Anishinaabe, and Pacific Islander descent. My great-grandparents were both residential school survivors. A Day to Listen is an opportunity for Canadians to step back and create spaces for voices that often don't get heard in the way that they need to. It's a place for us to consider the history that we all share, the parts that we may not always keep in mind, and create space for those stories that, as Canadians, we might forget, but as Indigenous peoples, we've always remembered. A Day to Listen contains stories before investigation of other residential school sites were carried out. And so while we may reference the 215 children in Kamloops Indian residential schools, we did expect and now know that there are many other unmarked graves across Canada. We expect as we go through this day of listening that we may find more sites as we have these discussions. And so our hearts and minds are with all the children in all of the unmarked graves at all these sites across Canada. Truth and reconciliation always begins with truth and ends with reconciliation. And so as you listen to these stories, these lived experiences that you may not have been aware of before now, it's important to listen and really take these as truth, to process as a Canadian what this means for your identity, your history, and what it means for Canada as we build forward. A day to listen and the 215 Pledge acknowledges that the healing process affects everyone who's involved. There's Indigenous families, communities, and individuals who, in the process of uncovering these unmarked graves, are going through a grieving process. But also as Canadians, Canadians will be going through a grieving process as they re-explore their identity and what it means to be Canadian in light of understanding our shared history. The 215 Pledge provides a framework for you to process the grief you're going through. It provides a framework to come together and have these discussions. And in the spirit of what the Downey Wenjack Fund has always been about, 
it creates a space for us both to be prepared to recognize and acknowledge each other's grief, but then move forward towards reconciling our histories. To learn more about the pledge, please visit 215pledge.ca. To continue the conversation about residential schools and our shared history, please visit downywenjack.ca to keep learning. Thank you for joining us on this day to listen. Today is a day to listen. To learn more about how you can do something, visit downywenjack.ca. Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 30th. When heartbreaking stories like the 215 children recovered in BC, the recent announcement of 751 unmarked graves in Saskatchewan, and the growing numbers from former residential school sites emerge, we often don't know how we can help. On Wednesday, radio stations across Canada, including here at 770 CHQR, joined together to amplify Indigenous voices in Canada. It is a day to listen. You can learn more at downywenjack.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.